Welcome to the Aerospace Engineering Podcast. My name is Reiner Groh, Research Fellow of the Royal Academy of Engineering, and on this podcast I have conversations with aerospace pioneers about new technologies at the cutting edge of aerospace design and research. This episode of the Aerospace Engineering Podcast is brought to you by AnaliSwift. Do you work in the design and analysis of aerospace structures and materials? If so, AnaliSwift's innovative engineering software, SwiftComp, may be the solution you're seeking. Used either independently for virtual testing of aerospace composites or as a plugin to power conventional FEA codes, SwiftComp delivers the accuracy of 3D FEA in seconds instead of hours. A general purpose multi-scale modeling program, SwiftComp provides an efficient and accurate tool for modeling aerospace structures and materials featuring anisotropy and heterogeneity. SwiftCom quickly calculates the complete set of effective properties needed for use in macroscopic structural analysis. It also accurately predicts local stresses and strains in the microstructure for predicting strengths. Find out how others in composites are saving time while improving accuracy, considering more design options, and arriving at the best solution more quickly. A no-cost academic partner program is now available for eligible universities. For free trial, visit analyswift.com. SwiftComp. Write results right away. This episode is also sponsored by StressEbook.com, which is an online hub for you if you're interested in aerospace stress engineering. StressEbook.com provides world-class engineering services and online courses on the stress analysis of aircraft structures, as well as a free ebook and blog. No matter if you're a junior or senior structural analyst, StressEbook.com provides you with the skills and know-how to become a champion in your workplace. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. Houston, uh... Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. Sami Libzig is an engineer at the light sport aircraft startup Exalt. Exalt is currently a team of three engineers that are bringing a unique combination of fresh design thinking and engineering experience to the world of sport airplanes. The vision of Exalt is to turn the sky into a playground for pilots with an aircraft that puts the pilot's flying experience in the foreground. That is, an aircraft which is fun to fly, economical, maintenance-friendly, and environmentally sustainable. Indeed, if one studies the light sport aircraft market, it is easy to notice that not a lot has changed over the last couple of decades. Sport aircraft largely look the same, and mostly use materials that are around 30 years ago. This is probably for good reason, given that the physics of flying are obviously unchanged, and the design principles that worked in the past are still valid today. But what is particularly fascinating to me as an aerospace engineer is the manner in which Exalt is using proven aerospace technologies and recombining them in new ways to design a modern aircraft. The result is an airplane that does not feature all of the most recent bells and whistles just for the sake of using cutting-edge technology, but instead features a pragmatic design where each component has been carefully selected to serve the company's vision of maximizing the pilot experience. As we will hear in this episode, one of the best examples of this is Exalt's choice of a reinforced space frame design over an arguably lighter monocoque design. 
In this episode of the podcast, Sammy and I talk about the origins of Exalt, their particular design philosophy, some of the key design choices they have made, and the near future of the company. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Exalt's Sammy Lipzig. Sammy, welcome to the podcast. Hi. So before we started recording, you, you told me about the three guys that are currently working on this project. And you've got quite an interesting story of how the three of you met and how the whole project started. So could you tell me about that? Yeah, first of all, thank you for having me here. I'm very happy to talk about uh, Exalt. And yeah, it's, it's quite an in interesting story. Um, it, it all started at university um, while um, Clément and me uh, were doing, uh, we, we were um, on a project, uh, a school project, when we wanted to, to design like a innovative or uh, a new kind of um, light airplane that's uh, for for taxi mission, you know, one one person, um, and um, yeah, so so we we took it on um, on a, we we tried to take an, a different view on um, uh, user user centered design and. Uh, and but it, the the concept also had to make sense in a technical point of view. So because um, our background is engineering and uh, we've um, a, a quite a touch of uh, industrial design. And um, in the meantime, uh, Isaac was in Brazil and working for uh, Flyer, uh, and they was uh, developing the Flyer NG, and. Um, he was basically looking for new ideas, new concepts, uh, you know, to, to renew the, the, the range. And uh, he, ended, he ended up uh, seeing all like um, the Mosquito 200, which was our concept. And uh, he found it very exciting and we, he decided like to talk to us. And uh, after some, after a lot of talking, actually, we um, we decided we would just, you know, um, get together and try to, um, to combine um, a uh, very solid uh, experience and background in uh, aviation design, uh, as well as um, uh, the, the, some strong industrial design uh, to, to design a new, to design a new, uh, to take a new, to, to take a new, um, uh, how can I say, to, to have a fresh view on uh, light aviation and light spot aviation uh, specifically. <laughs> All right, nice. Okay, so you've you've just mentioned light aviation, and so so what is the vision of Exalt Aircraft? So what is what is it that you're you're trying to create? So we figured there was there's a lot of change, changes, you know, in the in aviation. Like um, we we see today a lot of buzz about about like eVTOLs and you know also the space like CubeSat. Uh, we talk about uh, the moon again. There's also like um, very um, this innovation in the commercial commercial aviation, you know, to be like uh, always, um, always to save more money or save more fuel or be more competitive. But we we feel like um, we've underused the sky as as a place to have fun, actually. And and you know, I think we see a lot of potential. Um, that's why we see a lot of potential in general general aviation and especially light sport aviation. We 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 think that that people um, there's not enough people or they cannot um, uh, uh, they cannot enjoy like uh, flying, you know, just the fun of flying so, uh, so easily right now. So we, we'd like that uh, more that people they can enjoy the fun of flying more easily, and and more people can access flying. This is this is our um, this is our main vision. But I would just like to say that Exalt it's it's also a company that um, we are building on a very strong uh, capacity of design, um, you know. Uh, 
whether like in aerospace design or user-centered design. So, so our idea is anyway to design aircraft that from the clean sheet, clean sheet mostly, but to make sure that and make sure that the design it al always perfectly fits uh, the users and the market that they're intended to. So yeah, hopefully we we are set to create um, you know like a, a cool a cool brand and a key player in in the industry. But yeah, right now we're focusing on on sport aviation. All right. Okay. So you're so just in terms of just focusing on. So basically, you're trying to focus a bit more on, or your target market is a bit more on the on the sport aviation side. Is that the, your 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 key market for now? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. We um we yeah we we actually want to introduce um, a family of airplanes. Um, so on the website, you can see the solo that will be a single seater. And, but there will be as well the, the duo, which will be a two-seater. And um, yeah, we, we'd like you know to um, to introduce these airplanes uh, um, so under the LSA rules, uh, light sport aircraft, and uh, in you know in USA, Brazil, Europe, China, and and yeah, we target like at first licensed pilots and flying clubs, you know, for for training, for rental, and and also um, yeah. So yeah, and we think that uh, we we figured there's a lot of people, a lot of pilots that fly with empty seats. Uh, so that brings up for nothing the operating costs. So you know, but just because there's no single seater available, especially in a lot of flight flight clubs, flying clubs. So yeah, we would like to to um, that to to get, uh, get them um, uh, that there would be a solo available for them, and also we would like to. Um, uh, to introduce to flying clubs the solo and duo, so the flying lessons could be given on the duo, and the students then will be flying solo, uh, would be flying solo flights on the solo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sounds... and um, so then you know new pilots could practice at a budget on the solo and use the duo also when they feel like bringing some someone with them. So um, yeah, we basically it's what we like. It's like it's like. Um, could be a trigger for people that already feel like stuck to rental, uh, and also that you know for people that think that aviation is too expensive for them anyway. So you know when, maybe one day with Exalt, we uh, this sport will appear more accessible than it that it looks today. You know, mm -hmm. so and that's that's um, the other reason we focus on sport aviation. It's um, you know the, the the certification rules are a bit more flexible, and you know it's a, it's less risky entry. Uh, entry points, you know, in the business point of view, like um, be because it it takes a lot of um, a lot of money and a lot of background and skills, and you know, to come up with uh, far twenty three aircraft, you know, and and, and only very solid companies um, uh, can can go through that. Ultimately, we'd like to go also this way, but um, it's a good start, you know. With uh, LSA is a good start for right. us. Yeah. So, given your background in industrial design industrial engineering it, it seems like and i you've you've mentioned this before that one of the the key differentiators of the thing that you're really trying to incorporate in this in the in the solo aircraft is you know crafting a good pilot experience and things like ergonomics and human factors are kind of key in your design philosophy so can you tell me a little bit about you know the thought process behind how you craft the user experience and how you can you know put fun back into you know flying aircraft or as you say on your website to make the sky a playground what is your thinking behind that um well i'd say that pilot experience 
um, in terms of pilot experience, ergonomics and human factors are, are key elements indeed. Um, but yeah, in the team, we we um, we, we can you know merge like uh, the design aspects of the and design certification aspects of the design as well as you the industrial design. And and uh, as we dis- as we um, design the the airplane from the clean slate, uh, obviously we 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 build it around the pilot. And and this for this we use the different tools, you know, to ensure like the visibility, uh, comfortable police position. But we also gave like um, a lot of thought about um, the styling, you know, interior, exterior, and to express you know a fresh dynamic image, um, you know, basically so our customers can can really um, have a lot of emotion every time they step on board, and also like that they can make their friends jealous. Yeah, <laughs> but. I think I think the experience it's it's not you know our philosophy it's to really build on the experience and and for us it's not only about the comfort and the style um, we think it's the whole journey it's the whole relationship with the product um, so you know th- there's 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 parts that are more like uh, engineering aspects you know like um, since it's in, it's engineering to to uh, it's 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 an engineering part to make a, a, the airplane like a, a fun uh, to fly and easy to fly, um, but there's also like you know we we want to design them we design them in a very modular way, so it will allow um, personalization beyond what we currently know, but this modularity has also a very strong impact on maintenance you know so um, uh, because because the quick and easy maintenance will bring the operating costs for down for the customers you know. For, for uh, just just giving you a quick example, um, you know, there's, there's um, a very common incident is uh, when you um, collide the, the wings, you know, in, uh, in in the hangar, and then the airplane can be grounded for quite some time, in time to repair the damages, you know, and and we um, we you know our design, the the way we we came up with things that would enable like you know the the customers to just um, very quickly fix that and um, and get going again. So, yeah, um, this is this is uh, how we how we see it. You know what we what we the the, the philosophy we have. Uh, we we um, we want to leverage the design and every design, the mechanical design, the industrial design. Um, we want to leverage just to achieve the philosophy. You know, like and and the core principle of the philosophy is the experience. So. In, in the end, it's what 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 it is. It's just that we want that innovation. Uh, we want to bring innovation that matters to the to the users. You know that you, you know as a value. It's it's we just don't want to do fancy engineering. So, yeah, you know, oh, nice nice technology. You know, it's just we want something that uh, that really serves a purpose for the for the people that brings value. And uh, and and this it, for that you need to rethink the whole experience. You know, like. Uh, not only the flying, but also the ownership, the maintenance, and uh, yeah, this is uh, this is our, our process and our, our, our idea with behind the, the exalt right now. Yeah, it sounds like it's a very kind of 360 degree approach of design, taking into account you know psychology and then also as you said maintenance. No, it sounds sounds like you've t- you're taking in a lot of different factors and then trying to come up with the overall optimum uh, that you know out of all these different factors. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah, and so I mean, I have very limited experience with uh, sport airplanes in general. 
Um, so I'm just curious to know, and I think um, one of your partners, Isaac, I think you mentioned he has quite a lot of experience with also with commercial jet airliners. So what what are some of the key differences in terms of sport airplanes and jet airliners? I mean, obviously the size is a difference, but you know, how is perhaps the design different? How is the maintenance different? You know, how 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 do these different planes differ in their design? Um, well, I think it's a very tricky question um, because I think that there could be a world of differences even between two light airplanes when it comes to uh, design drivers. Um, so, um, yeah, and, and I think there's nothing much um, general to say um, between uh, airliners and, and light, light airplanes. Uh, because I, I think I mean anyway, it's the the design drivers they they all, always depend on the on the scope of the product or on the mission and and it can change so much. Um, but maybe something that comes to mind now would be um, would be the investment. Um, you know the money that that's available or the money that's necessary uh, would drive the design in a certain direction. You know. In in the first case, uh, I mean, in the airliner case, it would be uh, five billion dollars, uh, and in the other would be five million. So um, this is this is probably a very important common driver, but I, I, I don't I don't see much except than that because you know it can be very specific always. So yeah, sure, sure, I stick to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so I mean, delving a little bit deeper, perhaps, in some of the the technical issues that I've found out online about um, the solo. So the first thing that I you know, saw was that uh, the pictures online basically show a, a tubular kind of space frame construction that is then covered with an outer shell. And I guess, I mean, uh, a long time ago, probably in the 30s and in World War II, a lot of planes were built that way. Um, so I was just curious, you know, why did you choose a kind of like reinforced space frame over just going with a, a monocoque shell, for example, or something like that? Uh, that's a that's a very good question. Um, well, first of all, yeah. So indeed, the steel space frame has been used for decades. Uh, it has been very it has proven itself very efficient, uh, robust, and there's actually like still like a, um, I mean, it, it, there've been airplanes after the uh, the war, like you know, they've been designed with a space frame, and um, um, it's yeah, it's it's proven really like. Um, a very good uh, technical solution, but what we why we chose it it's that we we chose this because we want to lean towards the uh, a, a good compromise between simplicity, efficiency, and cost. Um, indeed, a monocoque shell design would be uh, you know it would be indeed a bit lighter, uh, and and there are a lot of um, manufacturers they go for like um, monocoque shell, but we figured for you know for a little bit less mass, uh, the design. The design cost and manufacturing they just skyrocket. You know, um, when uh, when when you design um, uh, carbon fiber primary structure, you know it requires more expensive materials. Uh, you know the accurate the layup must be very accurate. Uh, the curing must be very controlled. Uh, you need the autoclaves and everything. Uh, expensive tooling and even the design. You know and uh, like simulate like the FEA is uh, it's much more complex. So. You know, again, in our case, it all comes down to the value for the customers, and um, the, the the cost the cost increase is not worth the gain in an opinion. You know, it it really changes. You know, for example, in airliners, where you know, like 
few grams here and few grams there, and they can save like uh, uh, thousands of liters of fuel every year or every month. But uh, in our case, you know, it, it just it just it just makes the bill for the customer in the end uh, so much more. And um, but you know, for them it doesn't change like so much. And um, yeah, I mean, so, so yeah, and after all, in the, in the end, like we. We chose also to let let the space space frame visible, like not to hide it. It, it. it became like kind of feature of the airplane. Like, you know, we showcase it with bright colors, and and you know, it reminds like uh, other model sports where it's really really common to have a space frame like motorbikes or, uh, or it, and it's also a, a little reference to ultralights. You know, like you know, like the Quicksilver ultralights, like all these kinds of of aircraft. So so um, yeah, I mean, it's in yeah, it's 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 really like a, you know a design uh, choice. That's again going towards the the customer and value, right? I mean, so yeah, what you said basically it rings very true to some of my own experiences because when so when I was at university, I was involved with a a student racing team, and you you just mentioned motorsport as well, and we kind of uh, chose a space frame for precisely the same re reasons, right? You you could build a a little sports car with uh you know kind of like a, a miniature version of a Formula One car with a with a monocoque. But it requires very accurate layup of composite materials and things like this. While the space frame is uh, can actually be made just as light, but it's a lot simpler also to mm, exactly. to, to to manufacture. Yeah. Yeah, and and I mean the thing is that you know it's not because there's new techniques, uh, new fancy techniques that are actually like um, you know can bring a lot of value or very amazing in certain like applications. But it's not because of that that you should forget. You know all the good know-how and the proven techniques in aviation you know there's been things that have been there for decades and um yeah and you know like now it's been what 100 years that uh, man is flying like and um you know the people have tried everything they've tried a lot of things and um and 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 if if a lot of airplanes use that it's because it works so and another thing that actually is amazing with the the space frame like this it's because um uh, it's you know we we indeed um uh, uh, put over like um, uh, a shell, like uh, we, we cover by outer shell. And um, what's amazing is that you know we from from the same like um, chassis or base, we we can actually have like a different, we could have a different um, uh, fuselage style, uh, you know. And the, the plane, the, the airplane can evolve, you know, like it, its styling can evolve, but the plane itself becomes like remains the same, and it's still certified and everything. So, so you know, if we want to change the design, then we we are quite free, like to 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 make it evolve uh, instead of a monocoque, you know, that has been um, uh, with a lot of FEA uh, and a lot of uh, tooling and etc. Like you know, then you can't just change it. You have to design the aircraft from scratch again. Or you know, that's that's also maybe why like the, we don't see a lot of uh, evolution in in um, with airplanes, you know, in in the with regards how how they look, you know. Yeah, I think one of the major reasons is, reasons is, I guess, what you said is that, you know, once things tend to work and we found something that works, then it's, uh, you know, it's it's very, it always requires a big benefit to be able to then move away because you have to do everything completely differently. But I think one of the things that I noticed that you are definitely, uh, are you know, trying to be at the forefront is this, oh, the, the kind of area of uh, using bio-based composites. So um, I read online that you, you're, you're looking into using bio-based composites. So what is your thinking behind this? What are some of the reasons why you're considering bio-based composites? Well, 
of course, it's, it's to try to bring more sustainability to light aviation, that we're interested in these materials. Um, and, and we know we, we got to discover these at university and, um, you know, it, it, we found it very interesting, you know, a very interesting way to design light structures, but in a more sustainable way. But, um, yeah, and, and so it's not always that you have the chance, you know, to, um, to get to use them, like, especially if, if you work with, um, products that use composites for primary structure and, and, you know, these, these materials not often, they're not characterized or, you know, or it's difficult. It's, it would cost a lot to certify anything with, with, with these products. But, um, we, we have the, the, the opportunity thanks to our design to, to use these, you know, for our outside surfaces, you know, the external surfaces. And, uh, it, it's a great opportunity. And, you know, we, we'd like to explore this way, uh, for, for, for mostly for, for, you know, for sustainability, and uh, yeah, we we also actually think to um, to partner up partner up with uh, universities to leverage that as much as we can, you know, to leverage uh, raw materials and push the development of better bio-based composites that that we can already access today. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking mostly with you know um, the, uh, the resins, you know, that we uh, we still we still have in trouble to to find something like um, more sustainable that um, regular resins but yeah so so we have the chance for that so we we're definitely gonna like uh you know push that through yeah yeah i think yeah so the whole there's i think there's a big push in terms of trying to develop these yeah biologically based composites uh more and more and i guess the resin systems are are a big factor but i guess yeah currently the the drawback is as you say it's difficult to be able to certify anything where you're using a biological inspired material for a primary structure i mean in world war ii right the the british built planes out of plywood essentially like the de havilland mosquito um but uh which i guess wood is a is a natural composite as well but i think um yeah it will still require some some further development to be able to use it in primary structures there's also cork that's interesting to investigate but again it, because it's natural you know it can the you know, it's organic. The, the, it's never always the exact same material. You know, like a prepreg would be. You know, that's controlled and uh, like made in a certain way. And so, so yeah, this is probably the um, the, the little uh, limitations with um, uh, aviation or design or maybe automotive or if you think it's you know just the variation the material can have uh, because just because it's natural, so it, it's not always perfectly the same. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, given that, you know, you've taken such a holistic look at the aircraft and considered all these factors, is there anything else of, of you know, of uh, that kind of defines your thinking about sustainability or are there any other factors that you're trying to incorporate to make aircraft more sustainable? Yeah, indeed. Um, well, beyond, beyond the biocomposites, uh, we, we, of course, consider electric motors. Uh, actually, we would be actually thrilled that the solo and duo would be only electric airplanes, you know. But but today, you know, due to cur uh, the current battery density or also the availability of the charging station, the um, you know we could we couldn't we can't like you know it it it, it would make a good business case, you know, to to be to go only electric. So 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 yeah, we we designed the both airplanes you know as as platforms that can receive both the traditional gas engine and the electric motor uh, we you know for you know for 
Uh, yeah, we will we will uh, certify at first uh, the gas, but um, as as we we think them like for electric two, they will be available electric in electric version uh, quick quickly after like um, after the gas version. So you know we can offer then uh, a greener um, and um, more silent spot aviation. You know and and also um, you know for fl- flying clubs that 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 we could offer very low um, operating costs too. Great. Yeah. I think that space is probably going to pro- progress quite a lot over the next couple of years. But what about what about Exalt? So what are some of the, the milestones in your near future? How is the project developing so far? So right now we have been developing, um, up, I mean, up to now we have been developing an advanced concept for the solo. Uh, we intend to develop the, the duo with a little time offset, you know, so we, can, we are able to leverage uh, to the maximum, everything that we we get to learn uh, with the detailed development of the solo. Um, but basically, we have two different phases. You know, um, the first one would be to move forward with the uh, detailed development of the solo and with the duo, along with the certification process. You know, build the prototypes and uh, you know, and and we we want uh, we we plan the prototypes to be the flying prototypes very close from the, the production airplanes. As the you know, as the certification uh, process, we will be going um, you know at the same time that the design you know we will basically design uh, like according to the rule like and uh, and you know build all the the, um, the administrate administrate administra- all the documents and everything at the same time. So, but but the first phase will will um, well the, the, this first phase will start with uh, raising funds and it will end with the certification. Um, then there will be the second fence phase that will consist on uh, commercial commercializing the airplanes, and you know as well as establishing the um, manufacturing units, the ramp, uh, ramp up the production, and yeah. So right now we we um, we are looking for investors and um, that you know the investors that believe like us that uh, sport aviation has a lot of potential. Uh, that like us want to um, inspire new generation new generation of pilots, and um, we actually have secured a significant amount of funding with the government of Quebec. But uh, all we need it's it's uh, private funds, you know, to ignite the whole thing. So yeah, this is where we are now and where we want to go. All right. Well, I hope that if anybody is listening that is uh, you know interested in your project, might be able to provide the spark to get everything going. That would be <laughs> yeah. superb. Oh- or know someone <laughs> or, or that yeah precisely uh, well i'm definitely going to be looking at um how your project is developing with some interest because i think it's really fascinating what you guys are doing so um sammy you know thanks a lot for taking the time today but just to you know as a as a last question how can listeners um keep up to date with uh, all your developments well uh, of course listeners are, are very welcome to to follow us on the social media um, they can also subscribe to um, to our newsletter. Um, all the links they are available uh, on our website exaltaircraft.com. Um, so there's also like a you know a box to to write your email and then to to connect with us. And um, your listeners or so everyone that's listening is very welcome to to ask questions or get in touch with us. You know through hello at exaltaircraft.com. And uh, yeah, it's it's a crazy um, adventure, and uh, and uh, yeah, we we look for any kind of support anyway, and uh, I think it's really nice. Um, I would want to thank you, Rainer, for for this for your interest in this uh, in in 
this adventure that we trying to push push and um yeah it's you know all, all i mean even even uh interview like this is support to us so it's it's really cool and uh, appreciated it's absolutely my pleasure you know i get a kick out of talking to you know young engineers trying to do something uh new so it's absolutely my pl pleasure well sammy again thank you for the conversation and um yeah thanks a lot thank you if you would like to learn more about Exalts and the solo aircraft, then head over to aerospaceengineeringblog.com forward slash podcast, where you will find show notes about everything we discussed in today's episode. And if you enjoy the Aerospace Engineering Podcast, then there are a number of ways you can support it. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're tuning in. You can share it on social media with your friends and family, or you can support the podcast directly on Patreon. And with that, thank you very much for listening and talk to you next time.